This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. We're continuing in the valleys of the, in the Bible, and we'll be looking at a couple of scriptures today, one in particular in uh, 1 Samuel. And, you know, we've been talking about how we use that key verse in Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Last week we talked about, or the week before, Danny teached last week, but the week before that we talked about the valley of decision or the valley of Jehoshaphat. And that particular valley was a real interesting, I think, valley because we found out some of the things that took place there, some of the battles, and then how it is today as far as like a big graveyard in that valley with a lot of, a lot of stones in there. And uh, Absalom, of course, had his uh, shrine. He built himself in there. And they don't, uh, the, the Jewish people don't respect that uh, particular shrine, but uh, that that valley of Kidron, uh, that valley of Jehoshaphat, that that valley of decision, all of that, and we'll we'll come back to more about the prophecy part of that valley. But um, we found that uh, many folks were uh, buried there, like Samson, Samuel, James, Absalom, many of the folks we know in the Bible. And it, uh, Jesus crossed over that valley uh, as he was going up to the Mount of Olives and the Garden of Gethsemane, even the very night that he uh, was betrayed. So we kind of try to give you a picture of some of the valleys there. And this particular valley that we are talking about today is the Valley of Elah, Valley of Elah. And many times if I say that valley name, you don't, it doesn't really uh, ring a bell to us as far as the importance of it. It doesn't really think, we don't really think too much about uh, what it is. Uh, but as we look at this particular valley, it was definitely a, a important thing that happened there and something that we, uh, all the, Sunday school classes, as you're growing up, hear about this particular uh, that happened in this valley and, and a lot of things. So we want to take some time and look at that as, as well. The valley of, uh, it could be, I guess, Eliah, is about 15 miles west of Bethlehem and about 20 miles east of the Mediterranean Sea. It's located on the western edge of the Judean hills, and it was a very important route that they traveled through here. Uh, the coastal cities would use this particular valley as a traveling area there, and uh, as they would head up to the, uh, towards Judah in the main cities of Bethlehem and Jerusalem and Hebron. So all, all of those uh, all those pathways people would, would take through this valley to go up to these particular cities. Now, as far as the historical background of this particular valley, the Philistines were kind of in charge of it back then. 
And they were a, a Canaanite people. They, they actually, of course, inhabited Israel before the Israelites arrived. And you, and you remember how uh, God would tell Joshua and tell Moses, say, you know, you're going to go in, you're going you're to possess this land, and you're going to have to fight these, these uh, Philistines. And, uh, and they did. And they had many, many small battles. They had many uh, things that went on between them. And the Israelites were unable to conquer them at this particular time. So the battles between these two nations uh, made up a lot of Israel's history, where they would just keep on fighting. Now, what I found interesting about these Philistines is that uh, their stronghold in this, in this coastal plain was in the, in the Gaza area. And one reason they had a good stronghold was the weapons that they had. You see, the Philistines were, were powerful. They were cultured. They, were, they possessed a lot of the iron that was needed to make these, uh, these weapons. And so they kind of had a, a heads up on, on the enemy. They were high tech as far as that time goes. Uh, and what they did was they would prohibit Israel from getting the iron that they needed to make their weapons. And, and also the technology they needed to, to, to create these weapons and forge these weapons. So Israel was kind of behind them on, on the weapon deal. And so the Philistines, of course, had this technology. Uh, let's, let's look, the first scripture I want to look at is in um, 1 Samuel chapter 13, I believe. And look at, let's look at verse number 19. And we, we find here that uh, in this particular area of technology of the weapons, now notice verse 19, now there was no smith, because that's a blacksmith, that's ones that, that forged the, 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 the uh, weapons. No smith found throughout all the land of Israel for the fight. Philistines said, least the Hebrews make them swords or spears. If you remember, I talked to you about last time how that many times when an enemy would come in and capture a land, they would get those craftsmen. They'd look out, you, they'd already say, hey, you make sure that you go down there and get the people that can blacksmith and forge and build and get those guys. Don't kill them. Get them, bring them back with us because we're going to need them. So that was a smart thing to do. And so here, the same thing is, is happening here. The Israelites uh, go down to uh, down there and they find out that, that, you know, we don't have these type of people. Look at verse 20. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share, his culture, his axe, and his mattock. So we find that that they're going down to, to get some of these weapons sharpened up. Now, you may not uh, really understand. Uh, I didn't understand a lot of the words that they're using as far as these weapons, so I looked them up so I could kind of give you an idea of what they're talking about. So every man to share his share in, in his coulter. A coulter was a vertical cutting blade that was fixed in front of a plowshare. So that thing that, that goes in front of the plowshare that's getting ready to plow the land that would kind of 
go through there and break that dirt up with that sharp edge. And they found, you know, they would use anything they could. They said, hey, this is a, this is a, a sharp edge thing. We can, we can even take that off of the plowshare and, and use it as a weapon. So that was one of the things that they, uh, that they would use for that. Now, the, the mattock, his axe and his mattock, a mattock is a hand tool used for digging or prying or chopping. Many of us are familiar with what they call a pickaxe today. That, that is very similar to, to what this mattock was. So once again, it's something that they could use for that. And it says here that uh, yet in verse 21, they had a file for the mattocks and for the coulters and for the forks and for the axes to sharpen the goads. The goads are long, sharpened sticks that they would use to prod the oxen when the oxen were hitched to the yokes. So all of these particular kind of things that they had were going to be used for weapons. They had, to, they had to use anything that they could. So here's something that was sharp. Here's something that, that they could sharpen and use. All these particular things. And so we find that uh, they, they were wanting to go down to the Philistines and say, hey, we need y'all to sharpen these things. Well, you know, that probably didn't go over pretty well because they know, hey, they're going to use that against us. Verse 22, so it came to pass in the day of the battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan. So you see what the results were? They, want, they needed them sharpened, they needed them fixed, and so they really didn't have anything for battle that they needed. Well, one thing is for sure, they had the Lord on their side. That's the most important thing. And that, I think the lesson there is that they had no, I need to depend upon the Lord. And we saw, we see many times in the Bible, the Lord fought the battle for them. The Lord did, did what he needed to do for them. They put their trust in him. Any of that different today? No. Even for us. We may not feel that we are, we are any match for the devil and we're not in our own flesh. But, Thank God we have the Lord on our side. We have our Bible. It's, it's a sword of the Spirit. It, it's the Word of God. We have all those uh, uh, defensive things, the helmet of salvation, all those things that we read in the Bible that we have, we can take on. That's why we have to do that because we have to be ready for the battle against the devil every day and everything that he's got going on against us. So it is very important that we realize uh, what kind of situation uh, they were in in many times. Now, we can skip back to the Valley of Eliah. What is it important for? <laughs> the battle of who? David and Goliath. David and Goliath took place in this valley. And that is a very important uh, thing that happened. And we, we're going to take a look at it a little bit today and talk about some of the things that was involved in that. The Valley of Eliah, best known for this epic battle between young David and giant Goliath, who was a skilled veteran warrior. And so as we think about the background here, the Philistines were Canaanite people. They inhabited the area before the Israelites arrived. 
The Israelites have not been able to conquer them, though they've had many battles throughout history. So the Philistines had a stronghold. They, they knew that they had what they wanted here in the Gaza area. Now, what about these Philistines? They worship many false gods. They, among them, they worship Baal. They worship Dagon. And at this time in Israel's history, the Philistines were attempting to push up through this valley of Eliah towards Judah. So they, that was their goal, to head up through there. King Saul said, you know what? We're, gonna, we're not going to let them do it. We're going to fight against them. We're going we're gonna to make sure they don't do that. So his army is positioned on one side, and the Philistines are positioned on the other side, and they're they going to have to engage in order to keep this valley, keep them from going up towards Judah. And this, this battle that took place is really one of the most pivotal battles between two nations. Why? Because it had already been established the loser of this battle was agreeing to serve the winner from now on. So you can imagine it was like a winner-takes-all battle. So later on, of course, King Saul's life would actually be killed by the Philistines in the Gilboa area. And David would eventually subdue all the Philistines during the time of Solomon. And there was, was peace finally between the two nations. But that, that was a while coming down the road here. Now what about little David that was involved in this most important battle? He was probably around 16 to 18 years old when he fought this giant Goliath. We find also that in this particular valley, and in your picture there kind of shows an area there, uh, King David had a, a small palace fortress that was built overlooking this area. It sits on a high hill and it overlooks this particular valley. It probably appears to be built by David after he became king over Israel. And so... He came back to this place and probably said, you know what, this is the place that the Lord used me to beat Goliath. And as a memorial, he set up a, a small fortress there overlooking uh, this particular valley. It had fortress walls. It was buildings around the inside of the walls and a, a large building in the middle of it. David probably stayed there on, on occasions when he came through that particular area there. And who knows, he may have written some of this, the Psalms in there and contemplated over a lot of things that, that God had given him victory over Goliath. So it was built on bedrock. That means there was nothing there existing before David built it there. And apparently uh, it was used about a hundred or so years and destroyed uh, by enemy forces. And uh, in fact, there's a replica of the temple also found there. And so... Uh, Probably David carved that out uh, for that particular area. It's a lot of interesting things if you go in and study some of the things around uh, these valleys and what happened there. But let's move on to 1 Samuel 17, and let's take a look at this battle. I know that uh, you've, you know these scriptures, but we want, to, we want to break them down a little bit and see the importance of what took place. So 1 Samuel 17, verse number 1. 
And the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shekoah, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shekoah and Askah and Espadamon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Eliah. So there's our valley there that they were pitched up on one side. And set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the other side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley in between them. That valley is Eliah. And there went out a champion of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. That height goes down to nine foot tall. So nine foot tall giant comes out there and makes all the difference in the world about this battle. The armies are ready, but then all of a sudden Goliath steps out on the scene. Can you imagine how those Israelites felt as they looked down nine foot tall guy standing out there? And I can only imagine how broad he was, not to just mention his height. So they know they're up against something, that's for sure. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head and was armed with a coat of mail. That means his armor was bronze scale armor. So something very strong, couldn't penetrate it really, and here he is all dressed up. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. So just to let you know what kind of man he was, his coat of armor weighed 125 pounds. So, you know, if someone puts 125 pounds on me, I'm probably going to fall out flat in the floor. <laughs> so you can imagine he had the muscle, he had the strength, he had everything that he needed to carry this kind of weight. And he had greaves of brass upon his leg and a target of brass between his shoulders. These were like layers of hard brass that would come all the way up to his thigh and go all the way down to his foot and, of course, on his shoulders as well. So he was protected all over of anything that was going to come at him. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, one bearing a shield went before him. Now, I gave you a picture. A man, what he did, he went back to the Bible and he tried as close as he could because the, the spear has never been found. Of course, no, no telling what happened to the rest parts of it. But he went back and studied the Bible and said, I want to create a spear that would replicate the spear that Goliath had. So that's what he did. The weaver's beam, probably made of oak, and it was very big, very strong. In fact, on the weaver's table that they would use to weave things, it would be across the top of it and would carry all the weight of it. So you can imagine how big around and strong that it was. Uh, the, the, the physics of Goliath's spear, in order to work properly when he would throw it, the head of the spear was... 16 pounds, 11 ounces. And the height of Goliath, we choose in that area of 9 to 10 foot. And so the, the length of the spear would be about 10 foot 
two inches at least in diameter was the pole. Now, when you have a spear that has weight on the end of it that heavy, what's going to happen? If you throw it, that weight is going to go down. So we had a counterweight on the back end of the spear. And I think maybe you could see a little bit of that in the picture of what the man did as well down at the bottom. So he had a counterweight there of six pounds on the end of the spear so that when he would throw it, it would stay level and do the job that it needed to do. So it does not say really, uh, the Bible doesn't give us an exact length of the spear, but judge, I guess the guy, what he did, he tried to judge from the height of the man and, and everything that went along that he could uh, gather in the Bible, and that's a replica probably very close to the size of the spear that he had. So you can imagine what kind of a man would carry that spear and how a threat he would be. Here he is dressed in all of this stuff, tall as he is, broad as he is, carrying that huge spear. And you know, the Bible says here that there was one bearing a shield that went before him. So whatever his shield was, he had someone else handling that. And so... I don't know if I would have wanted to have been that man carrying that shield for Goliath. But here he is. He's ready for battle. He's sure that he's going to take care of everything that needs to be done. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and, your servant, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then will we be your servants, and I will prevail against him and kill him. Then shall ye be our servants and serve us. So you can see this was what was on the line. When this thing was over with, one was going to serve the other. The Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They went from being ready to do battle to taking a step back. <laughs> and they heard Goliath's challenge. They saw him and they're thinking, oh my goodness, we, what have we got ourselves into now? So we switch to David, who was the son of the Etherite in Bethlehem, Judea, whose name was Jesse. He had eight sons. And the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. The three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to battle were Elab, the firstborn, Abinadab, and the third, Shammahah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. So his brothers went on off to with Saul to fight this battle. David stayed back at home because he was the youngest. <clears throat> and uh, so it says, And David returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep in Bethlehem. And so verse 16, The Philistine drew near morning and evening, presented himself 40 days. Every day for 40 days, he comes out with the same challenge. There he is, ready to take them on. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now thy brethren and ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren. Carry these ten cheeses unto thy captain of their thousand and look how the brethren fare and take their pledge. 
Now Saul and all they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So actually they're not in battle, but they're getting ready to go to battle. And so uh, David's father says, you go down there and check on your brothers. You take some food to them. You take some food to their captains. And you uh, let me know what's going on with them. David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host were going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And he talked with them. Behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. So David's having a casual conversation with his brothers. Hey, fellas, how y'all doing? How's things going with the battle? What's happening here? And all of a sudden, in the middle of his conversation, here's this loud voice. Send me out here, somebody. Gonna take care of me. Come on. I'm ready for you. And David said, what in the world was that? And so he begins to hear that. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to this man that killeth the Philistines and taketh away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. Elab, his oldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Elab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left these few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I done? It is, is there not a cause? <laughs> so his brother said, David, what are you doing? Why don't you get back to the sheep that you've been taking care of? Why are you even down here talking about our battle? That's all you want to do, come in and see what's going on. You were nosy, won't you? And so he's, he's really putting him off to the side. And, but, you know, for David to, to say here, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? He said, wait a minute. There's, there's a real problem going on here. There's a real cause. So whoever loses this battle is going to have to serve. And, and so there's something that needs to be done. And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again, after the former matter. When the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant shall go and fight the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go fight this Philistine with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, there came out a lion, a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of the, his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he hath defiled the armies of the living God. He's saying, listen, let me tell you what the Lord's done through me. I've took care of a lion. I've took care of a bear. 
I went and got the, the lamb out of his mouth and brought him back. And he said, you know what? This Philistine, I'll go ahead and take care of him too. There's no problem. With, you know, I, I love the confidence he had. And it wasn't in himself. He had it in God. He knew that, that God was going to be with him. Now Saul, of course, wanted to get him suited up. He armed David with his armor, put on his helmet and his brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proven them. And David put them off of him. It'd be like me putting on Goliath's armor. That's probably what it looked like with David when he put on Saul's armor. He, he makes his way across the tent, and he's dragging armor, and he's... He's got all this stuff on top of him. He says, man, get this stuff off of me. I can't wear, I, I can't wear this stuff out there to the battle. That's not what I need. So it says in verse 40, he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a script. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. David came, and the Philistine came on, drew near unto David, and the man that bare his shield went before him. And the Philistine looked about and saw David, for he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. I can see Goliath. He's scanning that valley, and all of a sudden, what is that little thing out there? Wait a minute, I think that's a guy coming, coming out here. Not even a man. This is a youth. This is a young boy, 16 to 18 years old. And so he takes a look out there at him, and he's, he just can't believe what he's seeing here. Four, verse 43, The Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. I can imagine he probably didn't even raise his spear up. He probably said, come on, just come on down here, son. I'll just grab you by one arm and just swing you on out of here. You, you won't be nowhere. I'll feed you to the, to the fowls and the beast of the air. But look, look at David. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. The one you've been calling out and cursing, the one you hast defiled, the one you're going against, that's who I'm coming out here in the name of. This day the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and all of Israel may know that there is a God in Israel. I want you to remember that verse 46 because that is the reason that David is doing what he's doing. He says, I want the earth to know that there is a God in Israel. You know, how many things can we do for the Lord so that people may know that there is a true and living God. That's the reason why we serve the Lord and do things for the Lord, so that people can know there is a God. Even in this evil world that we live in today, there is a God. 
Verse 47, And all this assembly shall know the Lord saveth not with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it, give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David, look at this, hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David didn't say, oh boy, what, I, what did I say? What did I get myself into? Uh-uh. There was, there was no lack of confidence. He said, you know what? Come on. Goliath said, come on. David said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll meet you. I'm headed that way. And he takes off running towards him. While he's running, he puts his hand in that bag and he takes a stone and he winds it up and slings it. And that stone, he slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk in his forehead and and he fell upon his face to the earth. Isn't it, imagine, isn't it amazing that all that armor that he had on, if a stone would have hit here, if a stone would have hit here, if it had hit here, if it had hit really on the top of his head, or anywhere else, but that empty spot right here <laughs> that the Lord had the target on, that's where David did. You know, I remember a long time ago when I got to go over to Israel, one place we stopped off, we got off the bus and, and they had guys out there selling them slings in that area. And of course, they, they would show us, boy, they put them rocks in them. I mean, they, they could really sling those things. But they didn't have the power behind it that the Lord put behind that rock that day. I can tell you that. And it did exactly what it needed to do. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. He didn't even take a sword with him. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, <laughs> they fled. They knew what the results were going to be now. I can only see David grabbing that big old sword off of Goliath. Probably took everything he could to get that thing out the sheath, boy. But he was ready to finish the job, and he did. The men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted, pursued the Philistines until they come to the valley, to the gates of Ekron, and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Sharam, even under Gath, even under Ekron. What a battle took place here in the valley of Eliah. The outcome of the battle, winner takes all. David's motivation, I, I showed you there, it was so that the world could see, earth could see, that there is a God in Israel. So David, I thought about him as he, as he grew up, as the Lord helped him develop the skills that he had. You know, look at the things that David could do. He knew music. He knew how to write. He knew how to protect his sheep. And now he knows how to use a sling. And one thing he, he learned a long time ago is that he loved the Lord God with all of his heart. And everything that he did, he did for the glory of God. That it would bring glory to him. God used David's skills. He used a, a sling in this particular particular story, but he also used the love for the Lord that he had. You see, when David had the opportunity to put on the armor, he said, no, -uh. 
I don't need that. I come in the name of the Lord. Can you imagine the Lord smiling down on him when he said that? And the Lord probably saying, that's all right, young man, you just wait. You step out there in that valley, I'm going to give you what you need to take care of this giant. The skills that David developed as a youth, you know, he made reference to the lion. He made reference to the bear. He made reference. Those, those lessons that he learned back there when he was all alone with those sheep, just taking care of sheep, it was a small business to do. But real danger came on the scene. And God said, hey, I'm using you, David. Go out there and get that bear. Get that lion back. Go out there and get that lion. Get that, get that lamb back. And he would, he would do that and realize that God came upon him. God used him to do those things. I think that's why when we read the Psalms, we, we get so much out of the words in there because we see the love that he, that he had for God and how God loved him. And now look at what those Psalms do for us today when we read them. They help us in so many ways. So the talent that David had came from the Lord. But God helped him develop that talent. David knew it's, it's not the size of the weapons. He didn't even come out, remember? He didn't even have a sword to cut, cut his head off. He had to use Goliath's. But he said, it's not the weapons that I need to have, but it's the size of the faith that I've got to have in God. You know, David could have heard those words just like his brothers did and said, oh my goodness, I'm headed back home. But he said, no, it's a cause here. There's, there's, a, there's something needs to be taken care of here. And I'm going to step out there and do it in the name of the Lord. So he went into the battle full of faith and confidence. I think today, in our applying it to, to us today, it's our responsibility to take the things that God has given us, the talents, the abilities, the opportunities that God has given us, and say, hey, Lord, help me develop them to be used more and more for you. And that's exactly what David did. But I think the most important thing that we need to realize, we need to love the Lord God with all of our heart. Because we're going to need Him every day. We're going to need His power. We're going to need His strength. And when we, He sees the love we have for Him, He's going to show us that love back that we need to do and things we need to do for Him as well. Well, that's a good valley to study, isn't it? Now you know what happened there in the Valley of Eliah. What a great valley it was. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.